Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, corner of the 5, touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show. Justin Mello from the Draft Network will join us here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. And Justin, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. Just kind of giving a little bit of a recap of the draft overall for the Raiders and the rest of the league as well. But uh, when you look at the draft, and, and there's always a lot of speculation leading into it, and then when it's all said and done and it's in the books like it is this year, what should every team's goal be heading into the draft weekend? Like, what should their expectations be? Well, I think every team has sort of different goals and expectations that they hope to achieve. I mean, when you're a team, for example, like the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, who feels they're very close to winning a Super Bowl, you'd like to get some immediate contributors there, right? Guys that can hopefully put you over the top in 2023, as long as, as well as long-term starters, right? And I think they feel they got that with guys like Jalen Carter and uh, Nolan Smith are going to play right away. I look at other teams, you know, like the Tennessee Titans, for example, who may think they're in a bit of a transition in between period, and, and you draft a quarterback in the second round, and you hope he's a long-term answer, and you draft a running back that, that you think might be able uh, to take over for Derrick Henry someday. All in all, if I were to give a general expectation that would fit every team, I've always had this philosophy that every team should have a goal to come away with three NFL starters per draft class. If you can look back in two, three years and say, we drafted three starters, then you know you've done well. You know, and it's hard to judge a, a draft class a couple days after it happens, right? I mean, you haven't seen them on the field yet. You haven't seen any production, like you said, a couple years down the road. But I looked at the Raiders draft class. Uh, they selected nine guys, and I thought – I thought they did a solid job. I thought that that was the best way to, to put it, like a solid job. It wasn't fantastic, but it also wasn't bad. And for me, that's really what they need to do is consistently have solid drafts, and that's how you restock the cover with talent. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree. And certainly as this, you know, this new regime continues to move on from the previous regime, that didn't do a, a very good job of that, right? When you look at those draft classes uh, between Mike Mayock and John Gruden, there were a lot of holes in those classes, right, that, that – that led to their firings, or certainly in Mayock's case, led to his firing. When I look at this Raiders draft class, I, I do think they did a good job. You know, getting Tyree Wilson in the first round, part of me believes they were probably a little surprised that he was still available at seventh overall. There were certainly a lot of rumors linking him to the Houston Texans at number two. And then you had teams like the, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lions drafting in front of them that needed defensive line talent. So I'm sure they're thrilled that he lasted all the way till seventh overall. He's a guy that's going to come in and play in both inside and outside for them. I actually really like him inside. And I think of, you know, third down NASCAR type packages that Patrick Graham has, has run in the past. Uh, you look at having Chandler Jones and Max Crosby on the outside with Tyree Wilson's ability to reduce inside. I think that gives them a lot of options and you feel really good about your ability to get after the passer. And then I look at the second round and I see Michael Mayer out of Norher Dame. To me, that's a Josh McDaniels pick through and through and also a Dave Ziegler one. When I think of what they wanted to do at tight end this summer, moving on from Darren Waller, part of that, in my opinion, was Waller's inability to play as a blocker. 
right? I think of the, the guys they've coached in New England in the past. You think of a Rob Gronkowski and, and what Josh McDaniels likes to have out of the tight end position. It's a guy with flexibility and dual threat ability. He can line up and, you know, threaten the seam and catch passes for us, but he can also get his nose dirty, right? Play attached to the line of scrimmage and block. And that's Michael Mayer. He was my number one ranked tight end in this class. I defended him consistently throughout the process. <laughs> I know there were a lot of questions about athleticism. Well, I don't think Rob Gronkowski was the most athletic guy either, right? He used that big frame to sort of position himself and work against uh, defenders. And I see a lot of similarities in Michael Mayer's game. I think he's going to be very good for them, a three-down player right away. Goes back to what I said about immediate contributors and long-term starters. I think Michael Mayer is going to be a great weapon for the Raiders. Justin Mello is our guest. From the Draft Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And necessary roughness, DeMond's got one for you. Yes, when it comes to athleticism, I've got to ask about the first third-round pick, Byron Young out of Alabama. Now, he's a run stopper, but does he have that natural athleticism that some maybe that felt was the reason that he fell to the third round? Well, I actually spoke with Byron Young uh, just days before the draft, and I really enjoyed my conversation with him. And the best thing I can say about Byron Young, and it's a compliment, he's a football player through and through. Throw all that other stuff outside the window. He strikes me, and I thought this about him on tape as well, and I thought it again after speaking with him. Byron Young is going to play nine, ten years in the National Football League. He's going to be a quality rotational defensive lineman. I don't know that he'll ever be a high upside, you know, pro bowl type of player, but he's going to play meaningful snaps for you. And sometimes we overcomplicate this draft process. Like there's a good chance three, four, five years from now, we can look back at this draft. We'll look at the third round and there'll be names we already don't recognize right five yep. years from now but we will say oh byron young he's still in the league he's playing quality snaps whether it's you know at that point whether it's in vegas or elsewhere and i believe it will be in vegas he's just a good football player and never ever underestimate the importance to draft good football players and that's byron young and the next pick they had after him trey tucker for me this was one of those ah did they really need to go with a receiver right here but what is your evaluation of trey tucker I'll admit I was surprised that he went as early as he did, and I was especially surprised that he went before his teammate, uh, Tyler Scott, out of Cincinnati, who I had a higher grade on. Uh, the thing with Tucker, though, is he's going to give them speed in bunches. He's a legit 4-3 guy, and I think it's a combine. I think it was timed in the low 4-4s, but he ran 4-3 at Cincinnati's Pro Day. I actually spoke to him about that, and I felt his, my evaluation of him was more in line with that 4-3 time that he ran at the pro day. I think he's a slot guy only. So that complicates things a little, right? With Hunter Renfro still there and under contract, of course, you know, there was rumors they were going to move on from Renfro just like they did from Waller. He was a guy from, you know, that was added from by the previous regime. But I think Trey Tucker is a slot only guy, a lot quicker than Hunter Renfro, right? A bit more mm -hmm. of a quick twitched athlete. Of course, Renfro, we know it's the route running prowess, right? That allows him to get open with such consistency. But Tucker's got legit track speed. It's long speed. I'll, I'll be interested to see how they work him into the lineup based on the, the fact that he's probably a slot only receiver, just like Hunter Renfro is. Looking at the Raiders draft, kind of doing a recap of it right now with Justin Mello from the Draft Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And yeah, with Tucker, I mean, he's got all that speed and uh, he could be one of those gadget guys as well, right? He's one of those guys, you just give him the ball in space and let him go. And then not to mention the special teams. I mean, he could really add another element, but it did feel like it was just a, a little bit high for, for him. But if it, if it pays off in the long run, you probably don't even worry about it and look back at it. But uh, all in all, how many different ways do you think that Josh McDaniels could get creative with uh, Trey Tucker? 
Well, certainly, if there's you know really any coach that can do it, Joshua Daniels is, is probably in the top ten, right, of guys that can utilize. And what I do like, I'll, I'll say, is I do like that he has a different wrinkle than what Hunter Renfro adds, right? As I said, Hunter Renfro, not the, not the most quick twitch, not a speedy guy. Trey Tucker is different in that sense, and I do think that opens up the possibility where you can design things for him, right? We always talk about manufactured touches. I thought Josh McDaniels always did a good job of that in New England, where they had these guys that, that were maybe considered cast-offs from elsewhere, but they had a plan for them, and they designed those manufactured touches and they had success with that so certainly I think you could use Trey Tucker differently uh, than you would use Hunter Renfro and I imagine especially early on while he's still acclimating to the NFL although I will say those Cincinnati guys in my opinion they always acclimate well that's a pro style offense in Cincinnati they spend a lot of time playing behind veterans guys that have been there like Alec Pierce Trey told me personally how much he learned from Alec Pearson and guys like that. So I think he'll be ready to come in, but I imagine immediately they'll be designing a package for him to get the ball in his hands and let him create after the catch, as well as the special team's ability that he brings to the table. You know, Justin, you guys at the Draft Network do a really good job of covering it from all different angles, including the Senior Bowl, and a lot of the guys that the Raiders selected came from the Senior Bowl, and they had Patrick Graham as the head coach there, and they had uh, other coaches there on the staff, and then they turn around and get all these guys that were participating in the Senior Bowl. How beneficial is it for uh, teams in general just to have their coaches on the staff so they can get up close and personal and familiar with these, uh, these prospects? Well, it's extremely valuable. I, I think all 32 teams will, will essentially tell you that they put a lot of stock into the Senior Bowl. It, it really is, you know, it's the premier all-star game, right, in terms of the pre-draft process. And they had another great class there this year. And uh, and it was big for Patrick Grant to be the head coach of one of those teams and spend all that hands-on time that not every other team gets. You know, they're all, they're all allocated. I think it's 15 minutes per interview with every prospect in attendance. But it's not like having a coach that's working there on field day after day at practice. And uh, and that's, I think, partially why the Raiders drafted so many of those guys. Something else that I wanted to ask you about is when it comes to teams and how they look at undrafted free agents, because to the casual fan, hey, all you're probably just thinking, this guy didn't get drafted, but my team picked him up anyway. So what are some of the players that you, you surprised that went undrafted, and what do you think goes into a team's process of maybe not picking them in the seventh round, but hey, that's you know that that guy's getting the call immediately after the draft's over? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. I, I think, you know, two things I, I don't think the general public factors enough where a guy can go undrafted is age. Uh, certainly if you're, you know, a fourth, fifth, sixth year senior, especially, you know, that fifth or sixth year extra eligibility, which we had a lot of this year, right, due to the COVID year. And we're going to have probably a lot of it next year still, right, as a, as a ripple effect. So I think age and medical history are two things that play a big role into a guy potentially going undrafted. And one of those UDFAs that, that I like quite a bit uh, landed in Vegas, and, and he was a senior bowl guy, right? McClendon mm-hmm. Curtis, the offensive lineman out of Chattanooga. Um, I think he's a guy that come, comes in. I think he's a really good fit for the offense there. I didn't like him in like a zone-based scheme. I like him running a lot of gap power concepts, which McDaniels has implemented a lot of into his scheme and what I like about McClendon is, is the versatility. You know, he played a lot of tackle at Chattanooga, and he's got certainly enough arm length to play tackle, right? A lot of times when a tackle's kicking inside at the next level, it's due to a lack of arm length, right? He's got 32-inch arms. He probably can't play tackle. That's not the case with McClendon Curtis. He's got super long arms, so you'll appreciate the versatility to play tackle, but I do like him best at guard. 
He's a big old mean dude. Well, 333 pounds, I believe it was at the Senior Bowl. I think he plays his best football inside. I think, you know, you talk about an undrafted free agent having an opportunity. The fact that he can play multiple positions, I do expect him to come in there and compete for a roster spot on the Raiders' final 53. Justin, that's music to my ears because that's the undrafted free agent that I picked to say, if anybody on this list, that's the guy I'm picking that I think he's going to make the roster. So thank you, Justin Mello, backing me up on my pick. <laughs> Another guy that I want to ask you about that the Raiders did draft, and you're surprised that he's not an eagle, Christopher Smith the second out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. What do you think about him and his ability to play safety at the next level? So I had a tough time with this the entire time because while I was watching Christopher Smith on tape at Georgia, in all honesty – one of my favorite players in the draft, period. The guy is one of the smartest players in the class. The football IQ is off the charts. You want to talk about play recognition? You want to talk about reading pre-snap and post-snap? The guy is so clean. He's incredible. I actually interviewed him as well. It's up on the draftnetwork.com. I interviewed him right before the Senior Bowl, and I felt like I had an X's and O's session with him, and that's what I knew it was going to be because he loves football. He's so smart. Uh, high character, high football IQ. Why did he last as long as he did? The athletic profile leaves a lot to be desired. Right, The 40-yard dash was not good enough. The size is not good enough. As soon as I saw all those numbers come together, in all honesty, I knew he would be available on day three. It just doesn't check enough of the physical boxes that NFL teams look for, especially with those first three you know, or four-round picks. But would you take a chance on a guy like this on day three? I love it. There are a lot of guys out there that have carved out a career for themselves based on being smart. Right? They might not fit every athletic uh, measurable or profile that you want them to. They don't check those boxes, but they can get by because they're smart football players and I do think Christopher Smith will have a chance to overcome some of those athletic limitations that were were, were present throughout the pre-draft process to carve out a nice career for himself because he knows how to play football look how many guys are there that we see how many receivers enter the league and I know he doesn't play receiver but you'll understand the example how many of them are 6'3 220 pounds run a 4'3 and we never hear from them again Right, because they can't because they can't play football. Right. They can't run routes. They can't catch the football. They can't track the football. That stuff is always going to matter more, right? And I think of Chris Smith as a perfect example of that. No, he doesn't have the ideal size. No, he doesn't have the ideal speed. But he's going to be in the right place at the right time. He's going to read pre-snap. He's going to be an excellent communicator. He's going to help his teammates get lined up and be in good positions. And because of that, because he puts himself in those positions, he is still going to make plays, right, despite those athletic limitations. So I'm a big fan of Chris Smith. I had a great time with him, a pre-draft senior bowl interview. I'm rooting for him. I think he landed in a great spot in Vegas. I'll tell you what, he sounds like a a very young Deron Harmon. That's exactly who he sounds like, right? Uh, it sounds like Deron Harmon, uh, from all the film study, from all the knowledge of the game, from the X's and O's, uh, it sounds exactly like uh, Deron Harmon. And that dude is in the league and has been in the league for quite a while. So uh, Chris Smith has an opportunity to do some things. Again, we're talking with Justin Mello from the Draft Network. Just have a couple more questions for you. And I did want to ask about uh, the fourth-round cornerback out of Maryland, Jacorian Bennett. Uh, he's not big in size, but he has playmaking ability. He's made a lot of plays in his college career. What do you think of Bennett, and what do you think of his landing spot there with the Raiders? So I was hoping you were going to ask me about him because I'm a huge fan of his. And, you know, way back in November, December, January, when I was, you know, studying these prospects and scouting the tape, every time I put on Maryland tape, and I was focused a lot of times on his, his running mate, Deontay Banks, right, who ended up being a first-round pick, I believe, of the New York Giants. 
He kept popping on tape for me. I'm watching Banks, and then I go, damn, who's this other kid, man? He's a <laughs> hell of a football player. And that turned out to be Dracorian Bennett. He popped time and time again for me on tape. He's a really good football player. He's got blazing speed. I think he ran a 4-3 at the Combine. So that was an uh, unbelievable result for him. I love that pick. I think there's a chance that he can move to safety. I don't know that he's going to be an ex- a corner exclusively at the next level. That's something the Raiders are going to have to sort through and figure out to make sure they put him in advantageous positions to be successful. But I think he's versatile enough, especially third down. You're always trying to get extra guys on the field, whether that's through a, a nickel or th- three safety packages. That's something you know Patrick Graham has done in his past. I think he fits that role for them really well. I'm excited to see how they utilize him. Uh, you know, and it's funny, you mentioned Deron Harmon. I think of some of the guys that Patrick Graham, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, that they had success with in New England, and some of them were, the, were those hybrid corner safety types, right? Like when they got Jason McCourty towards the end of his career there, a guy that played corner the entire time, he made the switch to safety, right? And that extended his career, right? Jason McCourty would not have lasted as long as he did if he didn't play some safety towards the end there. I think it's Patrick Chung, who I think, from what I recall, did not have the most uh, you know, impressive athletic profile, but was a smart football player, played a lot of safety for them as well. Uh, I, I, I sort of think Dracorian Bennett fits that mold, more so of a Jason McCourty. Might happen a little earlier in his career than it happened for J-Mac, but I think that ability to play corner and play safety is going to be very valuable in Patrick Graham's defense. We got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line, and it's just Dalton Dalton Wagner question mark. So what can you tell us about him? Because mm-hmm. all I know so far is that he had an NIL deal with the WWE. <laughs> of course you know that. Yeah, I did not watch a ton of tape on Dalton Wagner pre-draft, in all honesty. He is not one that – and I, I got to about 300, so unfortunately <laughs> he flew under my radar. He's not a guy that I got to. Yeah, no, and that's that's totally understandable. There's so many players that were in that draft process that you guys covered. Yeah, so something else that maybe he was on your list because it's the quarterback. We're going to be talking about him in our next segment with someone that's Purdue heavy. But what are your thoughts on Aiden O'Connell? So well, I thought when the Raiders drafted Aiden O'Connell, I thought immediately Josh McDaniels has always valued quarterbacks that are smart, that process well. We heard all about it when they, when they got rid of Carr, right? It wasn't a fit. The Josh McDaniels just offense is difficult to study. It's difficult to pick up. It's difficult to be productive in. That's why they went after a Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason, someone that has history right, and experience in that system. Aiden O'Connell is someone that I think is going to pick up that system. I see a high, high-level backup quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, and it's all the things Josh McDaniels wants at the position, right? He wants someone that processes pre-snap, processes post-snap, timing, rhythm, structure, the Josh McDaniels offense, the concepts, they are so big on those things, right? Being able to get the football where it's supposed to go on time, in rhythm, structure, all those things. That's big for Josh McDaniels. And I think of sometimes uh, we as fans, we underestimate the importance of a backup quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. We think, oh, it's not necessary or you, you hope to never want, need him. And I get that part of it. But, you know, going into England, how valuable was Brian Hoyer there, right, for so long? Running scout team, being, right. being a, a voice of reason. Being a guy, Tom Brady will tell you how much he leaned on Brian Hoyer at times. Advice. Like, just because Brian Hoyer didn't have all the physical skills, didn't mean Tom Brady wouldn't go to the sideline and pick his brain. Right? right. What are you seeing here, Brian? What did I miss on that last play? Those things are so valuable. And Aiden O'Connell, I think, is a guy that's going to have, a, again, a very long NFL career. He's going to be a very good NFL backup quarterback. And worst-case scenario, someone goes down, you got to put him into the lineup. I can't tell you how comfortable coaches feel knowing that they're going to put a guy in the lineup that is not going to mess it up. We underrate, we underestimate the little things, getting the call in the huddle, 
getting a play in time, right? Knowing the concepts, knowing the offense, knowing where you're supposed to go with the football when. Aiden O'Connell is going to do all of those things. He is the perfect backup quarterback for a Josh McDaniels offense. There you go right there. That's a seal of approval, right? There's a two thumbs up from Justin Mello from the Draft Network when it comes to Aiden O'Connell and him being a backup quarterback. And I, and I think this, and we'll, we'll close out with this, Justin, I feel like every year now teams are going to really dedicate themselves to going and getting some late-round quarterbacks just to see what they have, you know, with the success that Brock Purdy had, just to kind of see what they have in these guys. And, and maybe they turn into something, or maybe they're, just like you said, a really good backup because those are so important. It's a lottery ticket. That's what I call it. Drafting a quarterback on day three is a lottery ticket. And I don't blame you. If you are sit- and, and look, this is not true for all of them, but it's true for most of them. If you can sit there and tell me you know exactly how a quarterback is going to pan out, you're a damn liar, right? <laughs> None of us know, right? Like the NFL teams don't know. I think of recent drafts. And I, I liked Sam Darnold coming out, and Josh Rosen was a guy, right? And Baker Mayfield went number one overall. And Mitchell Trubisky goes before Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And, like, all the – you don't know. You right. really don't. You don't know. And I think there are some guys, okay, if the athletic limitations are very obvious, you, you feel good. This guy's probably not going to pan out. But then again, we said that about Brock Purdy last year, right? The knock was the athletic limitation. So – most of the time, at the end of the day, you don't know. I love the idea of taking a lottery ticket quarterback. It's the most important position in all of professional sports. And if you if you've got you know if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, and I'm sorry, I know this is a Raiders show, but <laughs> if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you don't have an obvious answer at the position. It's always it's never a bad idea to take one on day three. I think Aid O'Connell checked a lot of boxes for the Raiders there. You know, I agree. I, I agree 100. percent And uh, I think every team across the league would love to have a Patrick Mahomes, but uh, it's just realistically that they don't. And, and this, I mean, the thing about it is, Justin, four quarterbacks are taken in the first round this year. We know all four aren't going to be good, right? I mean, that's just that's just right. the reality of it. The and- the, the fact is, all four will not be great quarterbacks. And, and look at what Howie Roseman did, by the way. Philadelphia Eagles, right? He just signed his quarterback, by the way, who no one liked, by the way, right, <laughs> coming out. It was a second-round pick. He just signed him to the most expensive deal in NFL history until Lamar Jackson surpassed it a few days later. But it was the most expensive deal in NFL history. Guess what? He also signed a backup quarterback this summer in Marcus Mariota, right? Mm-hmm. Did that stop them from drafting another quarterback? No, none of it did. They drafted Tanner McKee out of Stanford on right. day three. So, Smart teams, they know how important it is to keep the cupboard stocked, and Marcus Mario is probably a short-term solution there as a backup, and they think that Tanner McKee is a long-term solution as a backup quarterback, and I think the Raiders follow that same line of thinking with Aiden O'Connell. It's never a bad idea. No, not, not at all. I agree with you 100%. Well, fantastic stuff, my man. You guys put out great work on the Draft Network. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Well, I'm going to take a little nap now that the draft I heard that. is over. I heard that. <laughs> It's been, it's been busy for me, right? Because in addition to the draft coverage, I oversaw our, uh, our, inter- our player interview series right? Nice. this year, as, I, as I've done in, in years past. And I had 106 draft picks interviewed this year. Wow. 106, all on the draftnetwork.com, plus another like 30, 35 high-level UDAs like McClendon Curtis with the Raiders. So I've been very busy from January to now. So I'm still daily coverage, four articles a day, every single day on the draft network. We're dissecting the draft. But I am happy. I'm very, very excited to be going back to eight-hour work days. <laughs> I know. Hey, man, I'm already knowing. I know exactly all the work you guys put in. Like I said, you do a fantastic job there at the Draft Network. Thanks so much for your time, my man. Get a little bit of rest, and we'll talk soon. 
pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, sir. There he goes. Justin Bello. Great job from the Draft Network at Justin M underscore NFL on Twitter. If you want to check him out, of course, all his work is up at thedraftnetwork.com. And that's the thing, man. They talk to so many prospects. I mean, there was prospect after prospect after prospect that he'd say, hey, I just talked to this guy. I just talked to Trey Tucker. Just talked to Ja'Korian Bennett. Just talked to Aiden O'Connell. Just talked, I mean, just all these different players that they talk to, one after the other after the other. It's really a grind, and they do a great job. So we definitely appreciate him giving a few minutes of his time this afternoon. 326 is the time. Aiden O'Connell, you want to get a little bit more deeper dive onto who that quarterback is? We'll find out next. Alan Carpick will join the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187 keyword R&R. This one's coming from the 925. Two starters in depth, McClendon and Curtis and Dalton Wagner. McClendon, Curtis and Dalton Wagner, excuse me, both got big money. Have to assume that they make the team. Those are the two undrafted free agents, offensive linemen, one out of Arkansas and one out of Chattanooga. Thank you so much for that text. Do appreciate you. And yeah, that big money uh, does kind of tell you a lot when they're undrafted free agents, right? So thank you again, like I said, for that text. Uh, we got Alan Carpet, goldenblack.com coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to talk all things Aiden O'Connell. But before we do that, let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our guy, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, what's up? Why you start off laughing already? Hold on, man. Why you start laughing before you even get on? (laughs) Q, man. Q, you know know why I'm doing that, man. Hey, Q, I just want to say, man, I saw you on on YouTube. Uh, Man, you you and DeMond worked your butts off for this draft. I appreciate it, too. Man, I saw you on uh, with, uh, what's her name, on YouTube? I think, I forgot what the, the lady that was on that was asking you questions each draft pick. Oh, yeah, Jordan Black. Jordan Black, it yep. was good, man. You did a great job on there uh, representing the nation. Q, come on, Q. This was an average draft. If I had to grade the Raiders, this is a C plus. Q, okay. and I and I understand, I understand that you that, that you can't always get what you want, and we don't know what's going, who's going to be what because the draft is just a crapshoot. But you got to take a chance. I mean, you you did not get Hooker when you had a chance to get Hooker. Mm-hmm. You had a chance to get Carter, and you not you didn't get none of these two. Okay, that's fine. But why would you go get Aiden? That's a wasted draft pick to me. <laughs> That's actually a great segue, Raider Mac. <laughs> That's a great segue. Uh, so there you go. And there's a lot of mixed opinions on Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback out of Purdue. And to get a little bit of uh, insight onto who he really is, we have Alan Carpet, goldenblack.com, joining the show right now. And a uh, great segue. Alan, thanks for your time. And you heard Raider Mac right there saying that Aiden O'Connell was a wasted pick. Uh, I think that he's probably going to be a really good backup. At least that's what one of our guests had already. But what are your opinion? You cover him. You've seen him all the time. What are your thoughts on Aiden? Well, first, you're not going to find a better quality person and a guy that can throw the football at a at a pretty elite level. Now, the question is: Is he mobile? Is he is he he's a leader? Um, and I know we're not comparing to Tom Brady. He's two he's two drafts ahead of or two rounds ahead of Tom Brady some 20 <laughs> years ago. I'm not doing that, but right. I do think I do think he's a guy that is an extremely smart guy can learn can learn what you need to have done uh, and and can produce. Now, it did surprise us that he went in the fourth round. We thought he might go fifth or sixth, but he fits Josh McDaniel, what he likes to do, at quarterback, in my view. Uh, but I don't know that he's any more going to be any more than a good quality backup. But he is a guy that, that you got to think of this guy. He came in as a, as a walk-on, right. a complete walk-on, came out of nowhere uh, to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, 
and had to do it, you know, starting as a tight end, basically, on the, on the, on the scout squad. So uh, I know that may not translate the NFL uh, in terms of that, but he's got a lot to him in terms of want to. He's intellectually capable, as I always say. He will, he will come in and make good throws. He, he is, like I said, he's not the most mobile guy in the world. Uh, that's never been his strength, but he is a guy that I think uh, that I think can help a NFL team in a pinch. You know, and Alan, that's the thing when I look at him and I see that he's not a mobile guy, but uh, I do know that he's accurate. I know that he's a gunslinger. Sometimes that gets him in trouble. He, you know, believes in his arm probably a little bit more than he he should at times. But how, from what you've been able to see from him, how has he been able to make up for lack of mobility, just kind of standing in the pocket, being able to pick guys apart? Well, he and, and he did run a few times last year. I understand running in the Big Ten is not like running in the NFL. But, um, you know, he is a guy that uh, did not was not flush with elite receivers, especially this year. In fact, the guy that he was his go-to guy, Charlie Jones, who did get picked in the fourth round, uh, was a portal guy that came from Iowa to Purdue, got picked in the fourth round and, and led the nation in receiving. It was in the tops of the nation in receiving. But uh, he was not flush this past year with great guys. Now, he had David Bell last year, and uh, that was a great combination. But he is extremely accurate. Yes, he tends to – he can throw it into uh, – I don't know that he throws into trouble. He had a couple passes this year that were tipped. I mean, all, co- all quarterbacks say that, or all quarterbacks have that happen to him. But he is a guy that they relied to produce, not run the football historically very well. They did better this year with Devin Mockaby, but uh, – he was a guy that uh, that uh, was able to get big yards and get Purdue to win. I mean, he did get Purdue to being competitive the last two years. What got him to the West Division Championship, uh, and that uh, is an accomplishment almost of historic proportion when you talk Purdue football. He has got a unique quality that the locker room loves him, uh, and I think he can be a leader. Now, how will he fit in the NFL scheme? He'll fit in well because he'll be a guy that will do what he's supposed to do but also has he plays with a lot of courage and a guy that's not afraid, obviously not afraid to stand start as a tight end as a walk-on uh, and uh, make his way up to, to the top of the Big Ten and passing. Yeah, and I mean, what, what goes into that, right? I mean, like you said, the guy worked his way on as a walk-on. He was like ninth or tenth on the depth chart. I mean, the dude was way behind everybody, but just kept grinding. A lot of folks would have gave up. What is it, what is it that drives him? What's that burn in his belly that gets him to, to keep on getting up and, and keep on fighting to get where he needs? to be well the last thing i'll do is go religious on you but he is a guy of he is a very guy of great faith and, and doesn't necessarily wear it on his sleeve mm-hmm. but that's kind of the guy, kind of quality of guy you're getting uh and he just you know i don't know that's a great question because he could have gone to d2 schools d3 schools and played a lot he's it was a good student he married a he's already married married a, a purdue volleyball player he's of the highest quality I just think he's committed, and he got his chance to play in 2019 with some injuries, and when he went in, he won games. I mean, he led Purdue to, I believe, four fourth-quarter comebacks uh, in his first 10 starts, and that is, that is even better than what Drew Brees did at Purdue. So he is a guy that, is, that typically responds under fire, gets the job done, and, uh, and makes plays at the right time, and I think that that's uh, – that's a, a quality that's hard to wash out. How will it translate in the NFL? Again, depends what his role is going to be. But I think what you'll get from him is obviously a good, honest day's work. 
He's not a real loud guy necessarily, but he'll just go and do what he's supposed to do. And I think uh, you, that's, that's a pretty good quality for a backup, especially for a guy that uh, showed in the combine and other places that he's pretty accurate. I think that's a good place to start, at least for taking, if, if I'm the Raiders, at least for taking a long look at the, at the guy and see how he fits in to what uh, they're going to want to do. Uh, you know, after their, their change at quarterback over the past year. Talking all things Aiden O'Connell here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. We're talking with Alan Carpick from GoldenBlack.com. My man DeMond's got one for you. When GM Dave Ziegler was asked about the pick of Aiden O'Connell, he mentioned how he liked him a lot about what he had from the neck up. But when it comes to the command that he had of that Purdue offense, was he more of like a coach on the field? Was he calling his own plays? How much command did he have of the Purdue offense? Well, any offense with Jeff Brom, who was Purdue's coach last year, is going to be run by Jeff Brom. Uh, but he was—he definitely has got the coach on the field type mentality. Uh, he, you know, in, in any Jeff Brom offense, and just about any offense anymore, quarterbacks got to make good decisions. And and I think he knows, and, and I think he showed he could do that at a pretty high level at Purdue. Um, and. And when he had a running back last year with Devin Mockaby, when Mockaby was a walk-on kid that was a freshman, redshirt freshman last year that uh, did very, very well for Purdue, uh, he was also willing to get the ball to him when he needed to and uh, and check out a play. So there's a lot of decision-making in any offense, and in Jeff Brom's offense, certainly that's the case, where you got to be able to make the right reads, right calls, line of scrimmage. I think he's pretty well set for being – I don't think he'll be overwhelmed by any system that gets thrown his way. He just is a quick study, a very, like I said, an excellent student, and I think he showed it that much uh, on the football field as well. Something I've got to ask you about when it comes to the Raider fans that may be a little hesitant about Aiden O'Connell, what's a game that stands out to you that shows that this guy, when he's on, he's on, and this is the game that maybe fans should go back and look at? Well, I think two games especially. Last year, Purdue, beat, beat, for the first time since 1960, Purdue, this is 2021, not 2022, but uh, where he beat Iowa and Michigan State, both of those games uh, where he played against very good defenses. Now, Michigan State's pass defense wasn't the greatest, but they were both ranked in the top five. Purdue was able to go in and win those games. First time in school history, they beat two top five ranked teams in the same year. And uh, against Iowa, Again, on the road, after Iowa was ranked second in the country, he goes in. They only score 24 points, but he does exactly what it takes to get the – it was almost surgical in nature. And certainly the Michigan State game uh, a little bit later that year were probably two of his best performances as a quarterback. I mean, he had some big number of games this year as well. He just didn't have David Bell. That, I mean, David Bell now with the third-round pick last year, the Cleveland Browns, uh, was a all-Big Ten-level re- receiver all-american level receiver and they really relied on one another but he's good at hitting the tight end uh they certainly did certainly mixed well with Payne durham a fifth round pick of the tampa bay bucks uh if you look at purdue's offense purdue had five guys picked this year that's not bad for purdue it's the most <laughs> 2004 and uh, you got uh, two or three guys that uh, well you got durham and and uh, charlie jones the guys that uh, that they have aiden o'connell to thank a lot for their ability to get seen when it comes to Purdue quarterbacks, is Aiden O'Connell ranked firmly at number two behind Drew Brees? No, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I think he's in their cradle of quarterbacks. I mean, I guess it depends how far back you want to go. I mean, <laughs> you want to go back to guys like Jim Everett and Bob Greasy and Mike Phipps, uh, then definitely not. In the last 20, 25 years, Kyle Orton and, Kyle, and Aiden O'Connell are probably pretty close in terms of ability. 
and what they produced in their time. Of course, Orton was a much more highly regarded high school player. Orton played about 10 years in the league. Uh, he, they would probably be the two, the two top guys since the, since the 21st century. Uh, Drew Brees, obviously, who played his last year of eligibility at Purdue in 2000, would be number one. That's uh, kind of a silly thing to say. That's obvious. But, uh, but, those, but he would pick, pick in that. But he is, he is, he's been outstanding mainly because uh, the fan base uh, really, really jumped on, on just the way that he kind of led this team back to a level of respectability. After a couple of years, after 2019 and 2020, the COVID year when he got hurt, only played a couple of games, finished two and four. Uh, he got Purdue back to a level of respectability in 21 and 22 uh, with a couple of bowl games, uh, you know, in there that uh, I think really made a big difference for Purdue and that uh, got it back to a level of respect. Of course, Jeff Brown takes off for Louisville, but uh, they're going to have to rebuild that with under Ryan Walters. But I think they have Aiden O'Connell a lot to thank. Hey, he's just a great person, and I think he's a really good football player. It will be very interesting to see, hopefully not at the Raiders' expense, but uh, how well he progresses there. But I wouldn't bet against him is my point. Yeah, no, he sounds like he sounds like he's a good dude and a hard worker, and, and I can never go against that, man. Hard work always pays off, so I'm interested to see how he develops. And like we said, if, if he becomes a really good backup quarterback, that's fine. I mean, you can, you can be that guy. Everyone's not going to be Tom Brady. Alan, we'll close out with this. What do you think that he needs to work on the most, you know, as he transitions from the college game to the NFL? Well, I think, I think anything he can do to, to improve his quickness, and, and that can be improved, uh, it, it, I think is, is one, one thing that, uh, uh, that I think you're going to see from him as much as anything is, is things that can make him a little bit more athletic. Uh, you're only going to change that so much. But I think the key, the key thing, again, for him is that he came in under fire and produced. And, uh, and I think that – and lost his starting job, another point, heading into the 2020 season, uh, came back – or excuse me, in the 21 season, came, got the job back and, and went on and had his best year. So he is used to adversity. He's used to having to be called on in a, in a moment's notice and producing. And I think that, that can be an ingredient for a pretty good backup quarterback in the NFL. I agree. I agree. We'll see how it all shakes out, but we definitely want to get a little bit of background on him and just kind of see what makes him tick. And it sounds like uh, he leans on his faith and he leans on hard work. And like I said before, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, goldenblack.com, that's the website. Uh, Alan, what do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Oh, my God. It's every other week. It's worse than the NFL. It's transfer portal this, transfer portal. We never thought we were going to be into the player personnel game three or four years ago. Uh, we are on an hour-by-hour basis. Lots of recruiting, a lot of transfer portal news. And, and yes, I will even start talking about football again after spring ball is done at Purdue. But uh, everybody's looking forward to the Ryan Walters world, and the Purdue football program, and then, of course, Purdue men's basketball. Though they were the, only the second team to lose to a number 16 seed, uh, Matt Painter seems going to be loaded. A lot of a lot of stuff coming uh, with him here down the road. Yeah, no, that's uh, Purdue basketball is always definitely something to pay attention to. And of course, they've uh, had a couple heartbreaking losses there that uh, I know they're not big fans of. But they'll reload. They'll be they'll be okay because that's what they do. Alan, fantastic stuff, man. Thanks so much for your time, giving us a little bit of background on Aiden O'Connell. We definitely appreciate you. All right, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he goes, Alan Carpick, GoldenBlack.com at Alan Carpick on Twitter. You can check him out and. 
Goldenblack.com again is the website. And yeah, Purdue basketball, man, they're trying to they're trying to figure it out, right? They didn't they didn't like that exit out of March Madness. Uh, it was talked about heavily uh, criticized with their uh, their loss in the in, in in the tournament, but uh, they'll be back. They'll be reloading. They they got plenty of great basketball players that go through that program. Three forty five is the time. We'll come back uh, close out hour number two with your calls and texts. I know Raider Mac, we had to cut you off because Alan came on the phone real quick. But uh, thank you so much for that segue as you were talking about Aiden O'Connell, and all of a sudden uh, Alan was there to talk about him. So appreciate that as well. It's Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. Q. Want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com, text sign 69187, keyword r No more guests the rest of the show, so we're wide open like some old school TV antennas, so it's your opportunity to shine, hit us up, and let you know. How would you summarize the Raiders draft class? Who are you most excited about, and who are you not so fired up about? Just a couple of quick roster notes as the draft gets wrapped up, and, of course, the undrafted free agency uh, has kicked in, and the Raiders signed 10 guys so far. Uh, they've also cut a couple of guys. Offensive tackle Sebastian Gutierrez, uh, he has been released, and uh, Jalen Elliott, the safety, has been released as well. Gutierrez had no uh, experience, and Elliott has two seasons of experience in and out of the league. So just a few little minor roster moves, and these are going to happen, right? There's going to be undrafted free agents that are going to sign that are never going to make it to camp because someone else will become available, then the Raiders will make a decision, and this is, goes for all teams it's not exclusive to the silver and black but they'll just make decisions on guys that that uh you know they're ready to move on from not to mention some guys that they signed in free agency right we talk about the wide receiver room and how crowded it is right now there's some guys that they signed in free agency that they're going to go back and look and say okay now we don't have to have that guy because well we're able to replace them with someone that we picked up over the draft weekend so just keep that in mind when you're thinking about the roster remember it's going to be at 90 right now at some point it's got to get down to 53 that's through training camp and and all the above so it's going to be a lot of uh, tweaking going on with the with the roster right now. A lot of additions and a lot of subtractions between now and then. But let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I want to comment on the quarterback. Okay, and O'Connell. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm starting to think now I understand uh, why McDonald, uh, why the coach and what they saw in him. Um, they saw, I'm not going to say Tom Brady, but Brady-like traits. And we had a quarterback like that in semi-pro. He won six national championships not being a mobile quarterback. Okay, he had the same, ex- almost the exact same qualities. A lot of four-steps, uh, seven-step drops. And the ball was out of his hands in two, three seconds. Certain things you got to do with a quarterback like that. One, your offensive line must, and that, that's, that's got to be number one, must be on point. No one got to Jason, or you sat the bench, or Jason, or Jason. Make sure if you were a tight end, you make sure you never saw the football again. <laughs> but uh, and the other thing is, you, if you can't get to your route within three or four seconds, Jason didn't want you on the field. So that's a lot of the traits that I see that they have now. You got Renfro, you got the tight end that runs Chris Ross. We also had a tight end similar to this tight end. He wasn't fast, slow as Matusa, but he ran precise routes he was always open and when you have when you have receivers like that you can sit in that pocket you can't sit long not in the national football league but that ball is going to be out in three four seconds and so when you when you, and we also when you see at the time to go deep is when you know because that, that's tiring not getting to a quarterback like that brady did the same thing you rush 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 brady got rid of that ball you got tired then he hit you deep because your rush slows down so that there are and so that's how you run an offense through a guy like that. Will it work in the National Football League? Who knows? 
but you can get away with it, at least on a short-term basis. All right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you, my man. And, uh, look, I mean, in all reality, he's a backup quarterback. He'll be a backup quarterback. You hope that, you know, he doesn't get on the field. You hope Jimmy G stays healthy and he's able to be out there all the time. And then he could develop and Josh McDaniels could develop and, and, and use them the way he wants to use them and, and see what they have in them. But at least the good the reviews that we were hearing about him, uh, of course, he's not a mobile guy, but he's a guy that's very smart. Uh, as DeMond pointed out, he's got it between the ears of something Dave Ziegler said following the draft. So I can, I can get down with that just to see how it all shakes out. Again, I don't think he's going to be the uh, franchise quarterback of the future, but that's okay, right? That's okay. They'll they'll at some point find the guy that they're looking for. Let's go back out to the phone lines real quick as we close up hour number two. Let's talk to our guy quick. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, quick? Jubal, what it do, man? What up, dog? I'm chilling. Hey, great job pre-draft. Y'all smashed that. Everything from the uh, mock draft to all the guests you had on, you smashed it, bro. Good stuff. I'm hype about this little draft. I'm not, I'm not overly hyped, mm-hmm. but I'm hyped because we took regular players we took guys that i knew a little bit about mm-hmm. or i had heard of prior to pre-draft and we didn't swing for the fences i know people are a little bit ticked off about the tucker pick but if you if you go back to what q has been saying forever guys this team is looking to get faster and i think that tucker is a perfect addition to this team and i feel like he's a bit of an upgrade from hunter renfro i know that's a bit of a hot take but I do think that he has some skills that maybe translate a little bit better, especially after what I saw from Hunter last year with the butterfingers on the punt return and stuff like that. I think it's an instant upgrade. So I advise Raider Nation to remember that there's three phases to this game, and we might have just got a two-way player in that sense. I'm excited about what the leftovers are for free agency. I know that we didn't spend a bunch. But there's some guys that are still out there that can help this team and maybe even play their way into maybe a second contract or something like that. I'd like maybe you to do some deep diving on that for me, my man. I'm going to let you get going, though. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There he is. Quick. Definitely appreciate the call. And, yeah, that's the thing. And they restructured Chandler Jones' contract over the over the weekend as well. And now they have about $16 million in free agency money. And, of course, they'll need about $7 million or so for their draft class. And, of course, a couple other guys that they've signed. They've signed 10 undrafted free agents as of right now, and uh, we'll do some deep diving on some of those guys, guys that we look at and say, okay, well, maybe this guy has an opportunity to make the roster. Maybe this guy has an opportunity to make the roster. They didn't draft any offensive linemen, but the first two uh, undrafted free agents that they signed, uh, Dalton Wagner out of Arkansas, offensive tackle. McClendon Curtis, offensive lineman, uh, very versatile out of Chattanooga. So uh, obviously there was an area that they wanted to address. Dave Ziegler mentioned it uh, on Saturday after the draft was over. It just didn't shake out the way they wanted to. And look, there's an opportunity if the board plays out the way that that, that you know they were thinking it might have, where they might not even got Tyree Wilson. If Arizona hadn't traded up to number six, uh, they might have ended up with uh, Paris Johnson Jr. They very well could have had the offensive lineman from Ohio State. It, it, it looked like there was a real opportunity for them to go get that guy, but Arizona went up and got him, so Tyree Wilson was the guy that they went with. And they would have been very comfortable, and that's why I said that their draft was solid. It was no home runs, but I just think that they got good players, and they didn't panic. They didn't, uh, you know, say, oh, well, we got to have this guy. We need a quarterback or we need an offensive lineman, so let's just go get a guy, right? And I felt like at times before, and I don't know this because I wasn't in the war room with these guys and I wasn't in the war room with the, the, the prior staff, but it just felt like at times uh, the guys just looked at it and said, okay, this is what we need. Let's go get them. 
Right. I mean, I, I, I watched that green light podcast with Chris Long and Mike Mayock the other day at the airport while I was waiting to to uh, get on the plane and fly back to Vegas. And, you know, Mike Mayock was very honest about it. Like he was saying Cleve Farrell was his pick. And uh, yeah, John John Gruden said that, you know, hey, this is a guy that probably could be picked around number 24, but they need an edge rusher. They had just traded Khalil Mack. So they went and got Clee. Right. And Mike Mayock said that was on me. I, I pounded the table for him because I thought he was going to turn into Chris Long. The production wasn't there. Dave Ziegler mentioned that before the draft. You, you got to be careful not to project production that's not there. But he thought, Mike Mayock, that is, thought that Cleve Farrell could turn into Chris Long, and that didn't happen. 3.57 is the time. Speaking of Dave Ziegler, we'll hear a few sound bites from him on Saturday following the draft. He met with us at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Plus, we'll hear from you as well, 702-365-9200. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.